I really love the state of North Carolina for many, many reasons. I mean, my goodness, October 1st, I kind of wish we could have mass outside again today. It's just glorious outside. We have barbecue, we have the mountains within driving distance, as well as the beach. I mean, like all these amazing things, I mean, the people are so good too. And why I think that is, is because we have what I think is the greatest of all of the state mottos. Um, if you don't know what it is, I'm gonna tell you in just a second, but in getting ready for this, I looked up the state motto of my home state in which I grew up, Illinois, and it is, you ready for this, state sovereignty, national unity. It doesn't exactly like inspire like all kinds of action, right? North Carolina's is amazing. It's essay quam videri, which means to be rather than to seem. To be rather than to seem. I mean, our very state motto calls for authenticity, right? To be the person you present yourself as. And I think in looking at this gospel for today, I think our Lord would be very much at home in North Carolina, you know, for all these wonderful reasons, but esse quam videri, to be rather than to seem. And so thinking about that and looking at this gospel, there are two like brief little stories I want to tell you about that have come to mind. One was from when I first got here to Sacred Heart. So back in, I think it was 2014, I want to say is when this was. Father Carter was here as the parochial vicar. We were new to the place. Um, I was kind of brand new in being a pastor, especially in a place of our size with our incredible debt. Like all of these things, right? Like there was just a lot going on. Well, it was nice that summer, uh, my seminary, the Josephinum up in Columbus, Ohio, asked if we could house a priest that was newly on faculty. His name is Father Juan Carlos Sack from Argentina in a religious order, many years ordained, lovely man. So he's living with us that summer. And I guess I was wearing the fact that I was kind of overwhelmed on my face. And just like in the midst of like going from this to that, getting everything in, trying to understand where I was. And one day Father Sack just kind of stopped me. He's like, Father, can I ask you some questions? Like, yeah, sure. What's going on? And he goes, are you living a double life? And I go, no. And he goes, do you pray? I said, yeah. And he goes, then you're a good priest. Don't worry about it. And I remember the times like, what? And it was one of those kind of like bare minimum type statements. That I thought, well, I think there's more to it than just that, right? But, you know, as the years go by, as 2018 hit, as we've seen scandals and all this, I mean, it's not a bad place to be. Do you live a double life? No. Do you pray? Yes. Then you're a good priest. You know, it's like being the person that you're presenting yourself as, to be rather than to seem is so important. I heard something this week. This is the second story I wanted to tell you about. There's a writer I really like a lot, kind of like former diocesan employee, kind of a right-hand man of one of my heroes, Archbishop Chaput. This guy's name is Francis Mayer, writes a lot of wonderful essays and things. Well, apparently he was giving a talk, this big conference, and someone at the end asked him, like, okay, what do we have to do, you know, win the culture wars, to win people over to Christ? And his response, don't cheat on your wife. It's like, wow, that's really good. I mean, when you think about that, you know, and, and you can expand that out to everything else. Don't cheat on your taxes. Don't cheat at golf. Don't be a liar, right? My friend, Father Josh Voidis, who I'm excited to see on the priest retreat this week, he has this good way of saying this, you know, like if someone is in the confession, like, Father, I'm a good person, but just, you know, sometimes I lie about this. And he'll say, you know what they call someone who lies, right? 
a liar. And I just, you know, the way that he'll do that, it just kind of like sinks right in. And why do I bring all this up? Well, you look at what our Lord is doing and saying here with these two sons, right? And I would just say right out of the gate, especially looking back to what we heard last week with the parable of the vineyard owner who's going out all day long, going to all these employees, notice again, the vineyard owner again is the one who's doing all the work. He's not sending his foreman to talk to his sons. He's not summoning them to himself. He's going to them. He's asking them to go work in the vineyard. He's humbling himself and even taking it when the one goes, no, I will not. It's not like he's like, then get out of my house, disrespectful son. He just moves on, right? Moves on to the next one. He, he's the one who is active. He's the one who's doing all these things. And I mean, really, if you want a beautiful meditation on what that activity means, read the second reading again. It's my favorite in all of sacred scripture. St. Paul's letter to the Philippians, chapter 2, verses 6 to 11. This little hymn called the Carmen Christi, the hymn of Christ, that he, though he was in the form of God, did not regard equality with God something to be grasped, which is like jealously clung to. It's not like he's like, I'm God, you're not, deal with it. Like he empties himself, humbles himself to become human, to become a slave, to become a condemned criminal on the cross, dying for us. Why? Because he wants us to be in his love. He wants us to be there with him. But notice, with both of the sons in the gospel today, he doesn't like punish them immediately. He doesn't demand things. He doesn't like come down harsh on them. He gives them their free will. So as we talk about to be rather than to seem, I think this gospel is good at both comforting us and challenging us in a big way. Comforting us how? So as I say things about cheating and being the person you're supposed to be, not merely seeming it, well, you know, okay, there may be things in your past. There may be things in your present. That may be something that hits at the conscience. Here's the beauty. Look at the first son. He changes his mind and he goes. Even the chief priests and the elders, they say, he's the one who did the will of his father. We have hope. We just sang, you know, remember your mercies, O Lord. Of course he does. He is out for our salvation. He's coming after us. He's the one, you know, who emptied himself, learning obedience even to the point of death, death on a cross. He wants us involved in this. And if you've fallen, if it's been difficult, if you've had a hard life, you know what's awesome? That mercy is on offer. All you have to do is humbly ask for it. You just need to change your mind and go after him and live in that. Go to confession. It's an amazing thing. And so to see that, it's like, folks, this is incredible. And later on today, we have the life chain downtown, right? We'll have those signs that say Jesus forgives and heals. It's the truth. And to be able to share that with people is such an awesome thing. We don't go down there to say, I'm better than you. No, it's like we're trying to save people from falling into sin, from not going into the vineyard, from not knowing the love of our Lord. He forgives, he heals, he draws us in. But at the same time, like I said, this parable also is a really good warning. We don't want to fall into the trap of merely seeming to be his apostles, right? Like wearing the clothes, doing the stuff, showing up, and then leading a double life, not being the person we're called to be, not living in authenticity, merely seeming to be his disciple, but not being so. 
That is not the way to live a life. He doesn't want us stuck in that. And the trouble is, like, we can get into pride, right? Like, I'm a good person. That is a really dangerous line. I'll tell you, I think I'm sure I've told you this before. One of my greatest pet peeves as a priest is when people say, Father, I don't need to go to confession. I'm a good person. It's not like I've murdered anyone or anything. Well, good for you. Uh, But we're called to be more than not murderers, right? We are called to be in love with the one who's in love with us. And when we allow him in, when we want to not merely seem to be his disciples, but to be them, to recognize how glorious it is, everything that he's done for us, that St. Paul can say, have this attitude amongst yourself. Think like Jesus Christ. Be like him. Is it difficult? Of course it's difficult. I mean, you saw the sign on the way in. Humbly regard others as more important than yourselves. That is a tall order. It's not easy. But what does our Lord do? He humbles himself and becomes one of us, even to the point of becoming a slave, a slave who dies on the cross and talks to the two guys to his right and his left, right? One of them asks for forgiveness, changes his mind. This day you'll be with me in paradise. The other one doesn't, right? Our Lord is willing to go to those extents to make that offer, to invite us in. The important thing is that we don't just walk around in self-justification, right? That we recognize that all of us are probably like that first son, right? We've done things we're not supposed to do. There have been times he's called us and we've said, I will not. But it's so beautiful. We have the opportunity, like the tax collectors and the prostitutes, right? To change our minds, to follow him in everything. And I'll just point out, the very one who penned this gospel today is one of those tax collectors. St. Matthew didn't then just like go about his life, I'm better than everybody else. No, he lived his life in evangelization, bringing others into that love. My brothers and sisters in Christ were called to the same thing. He goes to great extents to invite us into his love, into his mercy, into his forgiveness. He who humbled himself to become one of us, humbles himself to be under the form of bread at this mass, to place himself on our tongues, to be in our lives, so that we don't merely seem to follow him, but that we actually are his disciples. That's the ultimate key to happiness, to love, to all these things, recognizing that he is the one who is active, All we have to do is to humbly embrace that and then to have that attitude that was in Christ, to humbly serve others and to not merely seem to follow him, but to actually do so. Praise be Jesus Christ.